0: We've all heard of the seven wonders of the world, and there's actually a bunch of these lists. There's natural wonders, underwater wonders, engineering wonders, and architectural wonders. But what about sonic wonders? The truth is, we are obsessed by the way things look. After all, there's a reason we call tourists sightseers. But there's a wealth of amazing sound out there that's totally being underappreciated. So today we're gonna be sonic tourists, and we're gonna explore some of the world's most magical sounding places. This adventure is inspired by the book Sonic Wonderland. Its author, Trevor Cox, started coming across interesting and unexpected sounds during his work as an acoustician. The eureka moment that inspired the book came to him in an unexpected way. Here's Trevor. I was
1: down a sewer of all places
0: and uh, heard this really strange sound effect. Trevor heard that the sound in the sewer was spiraling all around.
1: I was both amazed as a sort of human being, you know, what's that sound? But as a scientist, I'm going, ooh, what's creating that? And it got me wondering about what the most amazing sounds
0: might be in the world. But when Trevor looked for answers, he was surprised to find that there wasn't much information out there. I mean, it's interesting that there's not that many books about sound, really. I mean, there's quite a lot of
1: books about music, but sound in general, there's a few books on silence, A few books are about noisy worlds and how everything's becoming awful and noisy. But actually writing about sounds is
0: unusual. It turns out, we don't tend to celebrate interesting sounds. Trevor wanted to change this, so he set out on a mission to find the most unusual and mind-blowing sounds our planet has to offer. This is how Sonic Wonderland was born. So buckle up, because we're on our way to the Kelso Dune Field in the Mojave Desert to find our first sonic wonder. You have to be a very dedicated sound explorer to experience this sound in person. The Kelso Dune Field is vast. It covers over 60 square miles. And its biggest dune is an absolute monster at 650 feet tall. If that wasn't daunting enough, the dunes only sing under very specific conditions. First, the sand needs to be at its driest. So this involves visiting the desert in the height of summer.
1: It's incredibly hot in the middle of summer, so it's a struggle to walk up them to start with. The sand has to be really dry, and it has to be just the right dune. The grains have to be all fairly similar size and have the right coating for this to
0: work. Then, once you've found the perfect sand, it needs to move. Sometimes this happens spontaneously when the wind picks up and creates these mini avalanches. If you're not lucky enough to be there on a windy day, you'll need to do the hard work yourself. Trevor was prepared for the heat, but not for trudging up and down sand dunes all day while they're at their most slippery. He was also holding his breath to keep from ruining the recordings.
1: You know when you're in the right place almost immediately because as you walk on the dune, you get this weird sort of, it sounds a bit like a bad played tuba.
0: After you finally made your way up, Sliding down the dunes is a lot more fun.
1: What you have to do is sit down on your backside, scoot down the side of the slope, and create the avalanche yourself. And when you do that, then you can actually feel the dune vibrating under you. And of course, being a desert, it's really quiet, so it's really impressive to listen to. I think one of the wonders about trying to get these sort of sounds is finding things that are unusual and out of the way and quite rare. And this is an example of quite a rare sound.
0: Singing sand dunes have historical significance too. Marco Polo and Charles Darwin wrote about them. An ancient texts describe how people in China would rush down the dunes as part of their dragon festivals, creating a huge roar of sound. So maybe in the past we were a little better at exploring sound? Trevor thinks this might be the case.
1: Partly it's because we're very visually dominated as a species, especially since writing happened, you know, we conveyed lots of information for our eyes. In the past we've had more ways of sharing images and we've had more dependency on image for communication of information.
0: Before we could write, people had to listen very carefully to information. Nowadays, we can stop, pause, and rewind, so it's easier to take sound for granted. People used to take more time to stop and appreciate sound. Trevor has even found 17th-century lists of sounds, describing different kinds of echoes. One type of echo that was written about a lot is known as a whispering gallery. Whispering galleries are great fun to explore with a friend. They owe their special sound to their curved shape.
1: Whispering gallery effect is when you go to one side of, say, a sphere or a curve, and you whisper into it, the sound whizzes around the inside of that curve to your friend on the opposite side. So you can have lots of fun with your friends, and you actually kind of make them think the sound's coming from the wrong direction.
0: You can find whispering galleries around the world—the Maparium in Boston, the U.S. Capitol Building in D.C., Grand Central Station in New York City, and St. Paul's Cathedral in London. But the most fun places are the ones that are less well-known. Because, well, they have less rules. When you get to religious sites, you have to kind of whisper.
1: And it's actually much more fun to go to a place where you can really let rip and shout. You can go there and you can get your guitar out, you can burst balloons, you clap your hands, you can whoop,
0: and you can make lots of sounds. One place like this is an abandoned Cold War listening station in Germany that also acts as a whispering gallery. It's called Teufelsberg. And sound aside, it's quite an interesting place.
1: It's up on a high hill, and there's these spherical domes up there, which used to hide spy equipment. Teufelsberg is quite a strange place, partly because it's a health and safety nightmare. If you're up in the main dome, there's a great big hole missing, and a lot of the stuff is graffitied and in quite a mess. That's probably the most impactful aspect of going around it, is the sense of slight danger.
0: Here's Trevor talking inside the dome. Hear how his voice kind of hugs the inside of the walls.
1: It's quite a, a weird place to talk. you can got here. And uh, if, if I if I, I clap, it, clap on the floor, on the floor, floor right. bang on my foot. You can hear the sound repeatedly bouncing and being focused back to me.
0: Of course, being an avid sound explorer that he is, Trevor's made all sorts of noises in here. Bursting a balloon was one of his favorites. <laughs> That reverberating noise you can hear is the sound doing laps around the dome's curved walls until it eventually dies away. Exploring sound is rewarding and entertaining, but there's often more to these sounds than first meets the ear. To find our next sonic wonder, we're leaving Germany and whizzing across the ocean to Mexico, specifically to the Mayan ruin of Chichen Itza. You might've seen photographs of its iconic pyramid with steps running up each side, It's actually one of the new seven wonders of the world. And its sound is pretty wonderful too. The sound of Chichen Itza is no great secret. Every year, over a million people visit the ruins. And as tours reach the famous main pyramid, the guides stand a few meters back and ask everyone to start clapping their hands.
1: When you clap your hands, what you get is you get a chirping sound.
0: We know from acoustic science how the noise is created. Each step gives a little reflection, and these slowly space out a bit, which gives you this dip in frequency and chirping sound. But what other secrets might it unlock? The interesting thing
1: about Mayan pyramids is, does it give us an insight into what our ancestors were thinking? Did our ancestors know about that sound? Was it done in any way deliberately? Or even if it wasn't deliberate, did they find out after they built the pyramids, oh, it makes this interesting sound? Let's use that in our ceremonies. Chichen Itza isn't
0: the only place in the world that makes this sound.
1: You can experience this effect you get at this pyramid just by finding a staircase which is away from other buildings, which is quite rare, but you can find them. You can find them in in soccer stadiums, for example. But
0: some acousticians believe the pyramids chirp is a deliberate part of its design. They say the clues lie in the sound of the local
1: birds. So the suggestion with the chirping Mayan pyramids is that it imitates the sounds of the Quetzal bird, which is a very important ceremonial bird to the Mayans.
0: Quetzal birds are found in the very same area of Mexico. They were celebrated by the Mayans, and as you'll hear, they do sound similar. So as sound explorers, we can not only travel the world, but also travel back in time to hear these sounds as they would have been heard many, many years ago. But our journey isn't over. We'll venture through dark caves, the Arctic Ocean, and mysterious towers. That's all coming up after this. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? Indeed finds highly qualified candidates for any job as quickly as possible. That means when you've got a major deadline and need to hire right now, Indeed lets you relax. So how does it work? First, Indeed has 350 million regular visitors each month. In other words, you have a huge group of talented people to choose from. Then, Indeed's AI-powered matching technology helps you pick out the right person for you. It's like searching for a needle in a huge haystack. But with a giant Indeed-shaped magnet. And in an Indeed survey, 93% of those businesses said Indeed delivered the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. Our listeners can get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Hertz. Just go to Indeed.com slash Hertz right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash H E R T Z. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So far on our travels, we've slid down sand dunes, explored whispering domes and abandoned spy towers, and visited the Mayan pyramids of Mexico. Now, we're gonna go underground to hear how some of the world's most beautiful sounds come from stone. Blue Ray Caverns in Virginia was discovered in 1878.
1: It's a most amazing place full of most amazing cave formations. Luray Caverns
0: is a big space and it's full of stalactites and stalagmites. Walking all the way through takes about an hour and it's at the end of the tour when things get even cooler. For the acoustician,
1: you want to get to the end of the tour where you'll walk into this chamber and there will be what looks like a church
0: organ in the corner. This organ is called the Great Stalactite Organ, and it's made by tapping the cave formations. It's actually what we're hearing right now.
1: If you get the right cave formation when you hit it with a hammer, it'll make a nice sort of ding
0: kind of sound. And so in the 1950s, one dedicated engineer set to work turning Lu-Ray caverns into the world's largest natural instrument. Now, there's a keyboard connected to 37 naturally-tuned formations in the cave. And it can be played like a real traditional organ.
1: He actually spent many years going around, tapping the cave formations to find ones that are roughly in tune and ring nicely. And of course, being in a cave, it's got that reverberance, so you get that sort of ethereal ringing of the sound. So it is quite a wonderful experience to listen to it.
0: No list of special sounds would be complete without at least one from the animal kingdom. There are way too many of these to choose from, so here's a strange sound that you probably haven't heard before. Wrap up warm because we're heading for the Arctic Ocean, somewhere between Norway and the North Pole. And the sounds we're listening for won't be heard on land. Some animals
1: make the most peculiar sounds, and I think some of the most odd ones come underwater, actually.
0: We're diving in with an underwater microphone called a hydrophone. The animal we're listening out for is the bearded seal. They are enormous beasts with, as their name suggests, thick bristles on their faces. Here they come now. Yep, these weird alien-like noises are bearded seals you get this most incredible sound, where they sing these glissandos. So
1: a bit like someone playing a trombone and gradually lengthen a trombone to give you a lower and lower note. These glissandos go on and on and on. And actually, they can last half a minute.
0: These calls are all part of an elaborate mating ritual. I mean, who wouldn't be charmed by these sounds?
1: Of course, what they're trying to do is signal to a female, because these are male calls, to a female that, you know, come over here, I'm the right person to kind of mate with. And if the female's latching onto some sort of vocal trick they've got, that vocal
0: trick will get more and more exaggerated to be more and more appealing to the female. — The lady seals apparently couldn't get enough of these eerie sounds, which is why they evolved into such long, elaborate displays. And to add to that display, they're also swimming around in circles and blowing bubbles.
1: The so Sandos, presumably over evolutionary time, have become longer and longer to make them more and more impressive for their prowess at singing. And that's one of those signatures that they have sort of kind of put across to the females to get their mate.
0: We'll finish our journey in Trevor's hometown of Manchester, England, to prove that Sonic Wonders can be found right on your front doorstep. A few miles from Trevor's home is a skyscraper called Beetham Tower. The architects wanted it to be the tallest residential building in Europe. So to make the building a little taller, they included an extra decorative structure on top.
1: When they first built it, they suddenly realized when the winds got really high that it made this amazing humming sound. You could hear about five, six miles away. It was pretty loud. There's a structure on the top that the wind whistles through. And it's a bit like blowing over the top of the beer bottle.
0: They accidentally created a giant flute. Not many people enjoy the sound. Least of all, the architect.
1: I suppose there's a bit of Seudenfroger because actually the architect owns the top flat. And so it must really annoy him when it goes off as well.
0: The set of a UK soap opera called Coronation Street was also situated close by. Coronation Street also happens to be the world's longest running TV soap opera. When the tower was first built, the whistling frequently stopped their filming. Eventually, this magnificent sound was considered too unruly, and the building was treated to stop it from being so loud. But when the winds really pick up, you can still hear Beetham Tower's whistle. As always, Trevor goes to great lengths in his pursuit of sound. He's gone out to record the tower on nights when the winds are particularly strong
1: was storming one evening, really early hours. I got up and just about to go to bed, I thought, no, I'm gonna go and make the recording. So that was my recording trip to the Beetham Tower. I remember driving around in my old car, which had a sunroof with a microphone stuck out at the top, catching this sound.
0: Trevor's book has inspired a small army of sound recordists who share their unlikely finds with them all the time.
1: A week doesn't go past where someone doesn't email me with a, another delight. This week, what was it? Someone was, had some recordings of pile driving of wind farms out in the North Sea and was pointing out they were chirping.
0: It's probably fair to say that for every one sound recording made in the world, there are thousands, if not tens of thousands, of photographs taken. When it comes to finding amazing sounds, we've barely scratched the surface. It's a huge, unexplored universe many times right on our front doorsteps. So, as a newly recruited sound explorer, your mission is to tune in, appreciate, and preserve the sounds around you.
1: It could be the most rarest, the biggest, the loudest, all those kind of things that appeal to us. Or it could just be something which is plainly
0: very beautiful. Sonic wonders are all around us, just waiting to be appreciated. There are all sorts of curious and poignant sounds that might simply pass us by, never to be heard again. And all we have to do to find them is to simply open our ears and listen. 20,000 Hertz is produced out of the studios of DeFacto Sound, a sound design team dedicated to making television, film, and games sound incredible. Find out more at defactosound.com. This episode was written and produced by Fran Bord. And me, Dallas Taylor. With help from Sam Sneebly. It was sound designed and mixed by Soren Beijan And Nick Spradlin. Thanks to Trevor Cox of Salford University. Be sure to buy his book, Sonic Wonderland. I have it sitting right here on my desk, and it's awesome. If you have an episode idea, I would love to hear about it. You can tell us on Facebook, Twitter, or by writing hi at 20k.org. And by the way, if you haven't checked out our website, be sure to do that. There you can find art and transcripts and all sorts of additional information. Again, that's 20k.org. Thanks for listening.